I got to speak up in Auckland at uh, uh, Stephen Miller's church, Manukau New Life, and um, uh, Bob McCostry, McCostry, go, I can't say his name probably, Bob McCostry, he goes to that church, and so I'm speaking away, sharing my message, sort of walking down the aisle a little bit, I'm like, that's Bob McCoskery. So I just quickly got a quick photo while we were there. Uh, I've got the, I didn't bring that. I forgot about it. But uh, he's a neat guy, and he's done, he's done amazing things for our country and really challenging the moral compass of our society. And I, I think as a, as a father, we've got Father's Day today, I think that's our role is to challenge the culture of the day from our moral compass, from what's within us not to just go along with the status quo, not to go along with, what every, with, with changing laws and, and sort of just, just whatever goes. Nah, challenge it. That's what we're called to do as fathers is to stand up and say, actually, that's wrong. Actually, what you're teaching is wrong. That's not how it is. You know? and, uh, and so I think that we, as men, it's difficult growing up. Uh, growing up. It's, different, it's difficult leading uh, Today, as a man, it, it's hard. Hard work, guys, just want to recognize you, say that it is hard work, and you're doing a good job. It's hard juggling all the balls in the air, and I couldn't think of another metaphor for that, so sorry, but, you know, keeping all the balls in the air, it's like, it's hard to do, and um, someone thought that was funny. I was just like, it's, I can't, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, there must be another way of, you know, but anyway, you've got to, and you've got to know which ones will bounce, you can let go of and they'll bounce back up. That's okay. And which ones are made of glass, are precious, you let them go and they break and shatter. You know? Straight away, I think of my wife. You know, if I let her go, she's a ball that will break and shatter. My kids will, are a ball that will break and shatter. I can't afford to let go of that. You know, there's other things I need to let go of in my life and I'm going to say no to them because I need it, this is more important. I cannot, I cannot fail at this. Obviously there's times where, you've, where you do fail, but you know what I'm saying, like the big picture is I cannot let this go. There's, there's times I'm gonna say things wrong, I'm gonna do things wrong, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like too tough and not tender enough, you know? And, and sometimes I'm gonna be too tender and not tough enough and I'm gonna try and get it right as a man, amen, and amen, <laughs> yeah. That's a good joke. And uh, yeah, we're going to try and get it right. And so welcome today. And it's, uh, yeah, so that's, the, that's the intro. And um, I feel like God's challenging us about our faith and about what we believe. Because as things shift, we have to actually stand up on what we know the Word of God tells us and the way that we should live. And so he's challenging us in a greater way and a great expectation. And Jesus said it well when he said, greater things will you do than this because I go to be with my Father. Greater things. And if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, it will be done. Okay, that's, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's a tall order. It's a big challenge that, that uh, Jesus gives us. And he says, you know, uh, you might be slow to come to God today, you might be away from God, but you might be slow in coming to God, but I want to tell you today that he's actually running to you. He runs to you. And, uh, and I, th- I know I need God in my life, and I think we all need God in our lives today, 100%. And so there's three parables. I want to look at uh, the book of Luke, and it's in chapter 15, and it's, there's three parables there in 15. And uh, Jesus 
shares these parables um, to illustrate about his kingdom, what, it's, what, it's, what he is about. And because what we think God is about is not what is true. It's made up. And, uh, and the book starts, I haven't given Marty a scripture for this, but just go with me. It starts in verse 1 and it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, like that word notorious, includes everyone, uh, often, and you might be sitting there, you came today, you're visiting, you thought, yeah, I'm a notorious sinner. I went, Welcome. <laughs> Welcome and come and join the rest of us. <laughs> and so often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even, and even eating with them. Which was like a cultural no-no. You've got to keep yourself clean, you know. And in the first two parables... The owner of the, in the first parable went out to look for what was lost. He went out to look for the lost sheep. Out of the 99, he looked for the lost sheep. Uh, whereas the story, in this story we're going to look at, the father eagerly waits for his son's return. In the second parable, the lady looks for the lost coin. So it's, so it's like 101, and then it's 10 and 1, and then in this parable we're going to look at, it's 1 and 1. Okay, and so it, it just it shows, it show, demonstrates God's love for each individual. And so the parable of the son, or the prodigal son, as we know, and is our theme for, for today's service, today's gathering. So, uh, and prodigal would, is, is a Greek word, estos, which is extravagantly wasteful uh, because of loose living. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Could be you. And so let's read it. So it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Uh, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began Began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to to fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So, for for a Jewish man to to be with pigs was like that's another no no, another really unclean thing to do. You wouldn't even be around them. And uh, when he came to his senses, this is the son. He said, "How many of my father's hired servants?" have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe that, and, and put it on him. Bring, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, 
And so they began to celebrate. And so we see in the story this, this, this two main characters, which is the father, which re- represents God, and, and within that, Jesus. And there's the son, which actually represents you and me. And so we see a story of the graciousness of the father overshadowing the sinfulness of the son and it's the memory of the father's goodness that brings the prodigal son to repentance to restoration and to a realization of what he was doing was not good he says remember what it's like in my father's house and in verse 12 the younger son asks his father for a share of the estate which would have been half of his older brother would receive He had an older brother. And in other words, uh, what he was saying is that um, in that time, he was saying that if you asked for your share of the estate, it would be to to act as if your father is dead when he's not. So it's incredibly disrespectful to to ask that and, and dishonoring. It's as though his father was dead to him by doing that. So I think about the father in this, and I think about... You know, the role of the father is, is actually to absorb that. There's blows and there's hits that, as a father, you have to absorb. There's hurts, as a father, that you have to absorb. I think about, you know, Pania, sometimes she says to me, she's like, man, you're just so steady and so constant. And I'm like, I'm the rock <laughs> that will not be moved. You know, I'm like... I don't do that all the time, but but you gotta but it but I'm reminded of, of like a scripture of like being Christ like, being immovable, being 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 solid in the storm, you know? And you've got to absorb that. And I think about if we don't absorb it the right way, then we can't be welcoming to the Son when He comes back. We can't be reconciling in our relationships when people do wrong and then they come back to us. Your kids. My kids, our, our kids that are not our kids, but they are our kids. Your mum, your dad, your grandparents. Who's going to be the one to break the ice? Who's going to be the one to absorb it first and, and open up the, the airways of communication again? And the one thing I hate about the devil is he always tries to disrupt our relationships. I mean, our whole church is built on relationship. Firstly with the Lord and then with each other. That's why Paul wrote so many things in the, in the, in the New Testament about, about being one with one another. About, not, about the, the conduct of one another. Respecting one another and loving one, one another. Being part of a body that's knit together with every part doing its own function. And loving that, being an effective body of Christ. Uh, yeah, we've got, to, so we've got to absorb some of that. And I think that sometimes when, as the son, sometimes it's hard to come back because there's all these voices that, that go on. And, and so in a small, tight-knit community like the one that Jesus is talking about, uh, the son would have been thinking, I know what they're talking about me. I know what they're saying about me. I know if I go back, people will talk about me and they'll judge me. And I know that, you know, if I go back, how will I be received? Will I be restored? Will I be accepted? And we know that often we're judged on our worst day. Hey, 
People always remember our worst day. And the son would be dealing with his own assumptions. And I'm, I'm amazed that even sometimes with my, my own kids, sometimes the, the assumptions that they come up with, they thought, Dad, I thought you would be like this. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Where did that, life in the pit of hell, come from, you know? Where, where did that come from? Because, again, because there's some spiritual things going on as well. The devil doesn't like families being together. Where did that come from? And we make these things up in our head sometimes. And he says, but when things get so bad, you're willing to go back as a slave, I would say that you've come to the end of yourself. And the son had come to the end of himself. And he said, you know, he's, you know what he said? He said, at the beginning of the parable, he said, give me, give me. Give me, give me, give me mine. Give me my, for me. And then in the middle of the parable, when he comes to his senses, he says, make me, make me like one of your servants. You can see the heart change. As a father, you can hear the difference in your children's voices when they, they have a change of heart. So you can then be tender. Uh, and so I love what Paul says in, in, in Romans 2, 4. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin, from your way of living, to his way of living? And the prodigal son, like the prodigal son, we all possess a foolish ambition to be independent. And some of the parents are like, well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is the root of the sinner persisting in his sin. A sinful state is a departure and distance from God. A sinful state is also a place of discontent. You'll never be satisfied. You will look and you will search and you will search and you will never be satisfied. You will never be fulfilled without God. In Luke 12, chapter 12, 15, it says, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. You know, we live in a world where our success is based on our possessions, basically. You know? We measure it. Instagram measures it by that. Facebook measures it by that. And what about your family? What about the things that money can't buy, your relationships? What about those things? That's success. And the father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And the father was quick to restore his position as a son. Question for you, had he ever stopped being a son? When your kids are doing the worst things, have they ever stopped being your kids? Will they ever stop being your kids? No. 
When you do the worst things, when, you, when you've loved the Lord and he's been Lord of your life and you're living it out, knowing that God is your savior, but you're not walking with him, are you still his son? Are you still his daughter? Man, he still loves you. Like he's the father waiting for you to come to your senses. There's a... Oh, a couple of things before we go into that. As a father, there's a couple of things I just thought. Let's do some practical things. As a father, we need to remember the big picture. You know, uh, we, we did a thing and, and, and it said, what do we want our family to be like? What, what's your family like? Whatever your family is like is what you were like, dads. Kent. It is. You set the culture in your home. Are you overbearing? Are you hard? Are you absent? Then that's what your family culture will be like. Just how it is. It's how God set it up. What do I want our family to be like? And the posture of the father is expectancy, grace. He sees the big picture. He sees the end game. You know, it's that thing they say, winning the war. Uh, you know, he's winning the war, not, not just winning the battles. You know, it's not about uh, right and wrong sometimes. It's about life and death. And uh, another thing we need to remember is to love our wives. And the greatest, Ed Cole said, the greatest thing a man can do for his kids is to love their wife, love their mother, sorry. The greatest thing a man can do for his kids is to love their mother. Greatest thing. Uh, Have a good house. I don't know, didn't know how to say this one, but remember to have a good house. Talking about culture again, the father's house is a good house because the son remembered how good it was at his house. Have a good house. He said, I'd be better there even as a servant, you know? And uh, so don't allow the pressures of the world to absorb you and consume you so that your house isn't good. You know, because I'm a a guy too and I've got bills to pay, but you can allow, I've been going through a a thing recently where I was allowing my financial situation, I was allowing the worries of the world, allowing the interest rates, allowing the increase in everything and the, you know, to, to consume me so that I wasn't present in my family time. You know what I mean? Can anyone relate? And so it's like, I just, I don't know, I was like, Lord, I've got to deal with this. You know, it's a good place to start talking to the Lord about it. Man, I've got to deal with this, God, and if I don't shut this thing off, then it's just going to devour me and my family. Uh, and and so, so have, your house should be good. Make your house the best house, the fun house, the house that's interested in what your kids listen to, what they do, who their friends are, what they're influenced by. Make it the church-going house. Okay, because sometimes we go, oh, yeah, we're having the fun house, and we're doing pancakes on Sunday, so we won't be at church. I'm like, bro, you flippin' cook the pancakes early, and you get the kids up early. If they want pancakes, they're going to have to be up early because we're going to church. And you know what? Everybody's up early. And okay, and so, so that leads to my next point, which is make pancakes at home. Not the shaky, shaky bottle thing. Okay, maybe as a last resort. I've got a good recipe I can give you after this. But 
make pancakes at home because, because it brings people together. It's the thing that dad does. Dad makes the pancakes. You know what I'm saying? And if you can't make pancakes, learn how to. You can sign up for my pancake making workshop, $49.99. Straight after this, it's discounted down from $149.99. Only for today. So, uh, learn how. Be accepting and then correcting. You know? Especially with the girls. Mate, they don't want how to fix it. Your wife doesn't even want how to fix it. She just wants to tell you how it is. And you just have to accept it and listen. You know, Beyonce said it well. She said, listen, I'm alone at a crossroads. And so you don't know the life. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be accepting, then correcting. Because the son and the daughter are thinking, man, you don't know, Dad. You don't know what I've been doing. You don't know the life I've been living. And sometimes you're thinking, man, I, I'm glad I don't know. But you've got you've to suck it up and absorb that and love them, love her anyway. Oh, man, it's so hard. Two. You know, I think about what, what, what people do. Because people, like, man, people know what you stand for, you know. And even be able to come into the church and just be part of it today. Like, you know what we stand for. I don't have to tell you, but I do have to love you. And I do love you. And I'm glad that you're here. It's really important. I, I can't change you, but the Spirit of God will change you. We all need changing by Him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and there's the voices which I've just sort of talked about and covered that the voices incriminate the Father. They incriminate him, and so the voices keep you from the love of God. Because remember that when I'm talking about the Father, I'm talking about not just a, a physical Father, but I'm talking about the spiritual Father, about God himself, God the Father. And there is, uh, Father's Day is interesting, and even a few people I talked to before the service, they, they mentioned a few things about their family and about maybe not having a dad or not growing up, and two of my best friends have, have grown up without dads, and they are the best dads I know to their, you know, to their kids. And so, again, we have to, if we don't have an actual dad, then we're going to start with God the Father. Uh, and then what happens is, he, is, is he, and when Paul, Paul talks about, you know, you have many instructors in Christ, but not many fathers and then what happens is he brings along godly men who are like fathers to us you know I think about even like Pastor Jack here you know I'm like 45 and um and I hang around with him and I and he feels like my father it's just he's the old man you know (laughs) and he's got like sons here and Ross I can see Ross and Sam and I don't know if Tony's here or Dan you know, and he's got lots of sons and other sons. But it's just, it's who he is. He can't not be that. And God has made him into, can I say that? God's made you into that man. Awesome man that you are, Pastor Jack. Too much. <laughs> Too Mickey. And, uh, but God makes us into that person. 
if you let him, because we need changing by him, okay? And I talked about how culturally we have to go against sometimes what's culturally the norm or culturally correct. We have to, we have to say, call it out and say, hey, that ain't how it is. You know, when they're watching Netflix, you know, what's that program you watch, Faith? What is it? Gilmore Girls, you know? It's not how it is. Okay, here's a couple of things. The father in in the parable ran to the son, okay? Another thing that's culturally incorrect is that he should, he would run. A man of distinction, an older man would not run, he would have his servant run. He wouldn't lift up his caftat, whatever you call it, I don't know what they are, uh, robe, and, run, and even show his legs and even run. That wasn't a thing. Then there's, so, so what do we have to do? We have to, as, as fathers, we have to be like that. We have to go against what's the culture, right? What might be culturally incorrect. Uh, so he embraces him and kisses him. He interrupts Probably what we don't read in the text is he interrupts a ceremony called Kizaza. Okay, so because the, the parable is interesting in the, in the way that it's written that the father is looking, sees his son coming, runs to him. What's going on there? Well, apparently there's a ceremony called Kizaza when someone leaves their, um, their culture, their race, uh, disrespects their father, lives in a Gentile way, doesn't go to church, doesn't uh, uh, obey the law, doesn't do the rituals, all those things, squanders his inheritance and sort of ruins his life. When he comes back to the fold, if you like, to the town, the, the city, the town's people or the elders of the town are there waiting and will, 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 will cast a judgment on him Cutting him off from ever coming back again. I've been to some churches like that. (laughs) Cutting him off from his family. Cutting him off because of what he's done. The father interrupts the ceremony by bestowing honor and setting him back in his place as the son. That's why he's looking for him. That's why he's running to him. That's why he's running to you. Because he wants to restore you. What they would do is they would take a clay pitcher like this and as a symbol, they would throw it down at the son's feet, cutting him off from, from his family, cutting him off from the law, cutting him off from everything that he knew because of his actions. And so they would pick it up like this and... And all it, all it leaves is a broken mess. <laughs> but it shatters into pieces. He's already broken. You came here, you were already broken. When you met the Lord, you were already in need of him. You didn't need someone to break you even more. You didn't need anyone to cut you off from the fold to tell you what you needed to do, to cast judgment on you. We don't, the world doesn't need that. 
It needs us to run to them and embrace them and kiss them and love them. Put a robe on them to cover them. Put a ring on their their finger and, and some shoes on their feet. Can I get the band back up or not? Is that a health and safety issue? I think you're good. Just make sure you got shoes on. And so only the only the father could restore the son to full sonship in the family. Only only God can restore us. In our case, we are sinners, and there's nothing we can do to restore our own lost relationship with God. And he calls us and he waits. And a single repentant step in his direction and he's off running to welcome us back home. Not only does God forgive us, but he takes upon himself our shame. He lifts off that weight that we carry on our shoulders for our past mistakes. He willingly wipes the slate clean once more. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the ceremony is a reminder of what life can be like without a father for people. Like that, that's what life can be like. I, so there's, there's a couple of things here. Is, I guess I want to challenge us as fathers. I remember I had a situation with one of my daughters and, um, uh, and she was going through some things with some relationships and things like that. And I remember stepping in and, and saying, and sort of, I don't want to say too much details, but I just remember saying, hey, that, that's, that's not going to happen. This is not what's... <laughs> Got a break. <laughs> I remember. I remember saying, "It's not going to happen." And um, I went, went back to, to party, and I said, "Oh, is what I said okay?" And, uh, and you know what? And she said, um, "Your daughter was relieved that you had stepped in and, and taken the weight of that for her." And, and so, there's, so there's a thing that we do as parents, as dads, that we take that weight for our kids. We've got to know when to step in, you know, um, in the right way. I hope that makes sense. It's, not, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit weird. But uh, I just wanted to say that. Anyway, why don't you stand up this morning while we, these guys get organized just here. We'll just, we've got, by the way, I just want to make a shout out to Jamie and Rachel and their team that have done our our steak sandwiches and stuff, and sort of Dorian and Catherine and Mark, and um, who have sort of set up the Playstations and things. There's laser tag in the side room. I was playing that earlier. Very good fun. Just a few sort of fun things that you can do. If you're a dad, I encourage you to go get a steak sandwich and a ginger beer um, and play laser tag, but maybe do it in the reverse order. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, if you're not a dad, then you've got to eat the sausages, okay? <laughs> Don't eat the steak, unless you're a dad. Yeah.
Uh, anyway, it's kind of me, but I always want to give an opportunity for people to know the Lord. You know, this father that I've been talking about, he can actually be your father. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a physical father, but I have a spiritual father, my God, the Lord, who teaches me about what it is to be a man, what it is to be a father, what it is to raise a family. And you've got to know him. And if you don't know him today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you invite him to be Lord of your life, changes you forever. It'll change the course of your life forever. If you want to do that today, we're going to all pray together. If, you don't, if you've been away from the Lord, then I want you to pray this prayer as well. Recommit your life back to him because he's ready to go. He's ready to come to you today. So why don't we just close our eyes for a minute. Let's just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, say it with me. Thank you for leading me here today. Thank you for the price you paid for me by dying on the cross. I believe in my heart that you are Lord, that you died and rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Thank you that I'm made right with you today. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you said that today for the first time, I'd love to meet you down the front here. And um, or if you've recommitted your life, I'd love to meet you as well. And just let me know that, let someone know that you've done that. It'd be awesome. If you want some prayer today, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some issues that have come up, issues in relationships, issues with, you know, um, not having a father even. Maybe there's some things that you're stirred about. And I would encourage you to get some prayer about that. We'll be up here. There'll be a prayer team up here who can pray with you and pray for you. So just encourage you to do that. Make sure you get something to eat. Hang around, play a game. And um, yeah, talk to somebody. These guys are going to sing. If you want prayer, then uh, come up for that. Okay? Let's sing.